Welcome to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we've got a preview, albeit unofficial, of what OU schedules could look like once they enter the Southeastern Conference. And since there are two open dates in 2024, we're going to let Barry Tramble give us a hint of what one of those opponents might be for next year. I also am going to make the case for Josh Heupel getting into the College Football Hall of Fame. And if you think it's a slam dunk, it's not. I'll tell you why Heupel could possibly get left out, but more importantly, why he deserves to be in. And before we go any further, please do us a favor. Rate us five stars because that helps us elevate our content and get it out to as many people as possible. And write a review because we want constructive criticism. It's always welcome here. And we want to know what we can do better for you. And if you do both of those things, rate us five stars and write a review, then you take a screenshot. You can email it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will hook you up with the ever-sought-after, very valuable Heartland College Sports koozie. It's hot. It's humid. Or maybe where you live, it's hot and dry. Either way, you want to cool off this summer, do it in style with the Heartland College Sports koozie. And um, you get that by rating us five stars and writing a review. It's just that easy. I I can't think of a better return on your investment than uh, getting a Heartland College Sports koozie. Let's start the show off by congratulating the OU women's softball team. And no, by the recording of this, they have not won the national championship just yet. But making it into the championship series and just knowing that Patty Gasso had another fantastic year Certainly deserves congratulations. And I want to say to anybody complaining about the OU softball team celebrating too much, whether it's for the little things or the big things, screw you, okay? It's good to see college athletes having fun because all too often we get caught up in the results. We get caught up in what it can do for us, how it's going to make us feel. And I'm not really sure that I've seen a football team play with as un, as much unbridled joy as Patty Gasso's teams do. It's quite refreshing. Plus, when it comes to the cheering and everything else, they're not doing anything different than any other college softball team is doing. And you know exactly what this is. This is just a buildup over a few years. People are upset because, oh, you got good. OU started winning national championships in bunches, and they're doing it in their own backyard. And if that wasn't enough to complain about, oh, well, they celebrate too much. It would be one thing if OU acted in a classless manner. And believe me, I would tell you if I thought they acted in a classless manner. I think if you've listened to this show long enough or heard me on radio, you know I don't hold back with my opinions. But I don't see that from OU. And... To their credit, I don't see that really from any college softball teams. I haven't seen one at classless yet. Now, maybe you have, and that's cool. You can you know, tweet me at Sports Radio APD and tell me who it is, and hey, I believe you, because I'm like David St. Hubbins from, from Spinal Tap, and I get that. If, you, if, you're, if you're not, if you haven't seen Spinal Tap, you don't get the reference. might be uh, too old for you, but I believe everything I read. Okay, that's what separates me from everybody else. It's what David St. Hubbins said. That's what I say. 
I, I believe everything I read. So if you tell me there is a classless softball team out there, I will certainly believe you. But it hasn't been OU. Uh, one of the most dignified, it's one of the most dignified programs I've ever seen. And, and Patty Gasso is just the epitome of class and the epitome of winning. As a grad, I could not be more proud uh, of, of those women. So ladies, thank you very much for everything that you've done, not just this year, but over the past 20 plus years in making every single one of us proud. And uh, good luck uh, when you go into the Southeastern Conference. Big time good luck because uh, you won't be hosting the Southeastern Conference uh, Championship till like 2032 or something like that, according to Barry Trammell. Let's move on to football now where, hallelujah, the SEC, what a difference a week makes. Last week when we're, when we're doing the show, the SEC had not decided whether or not they were going to play an eight-game or a nine-game conference schedule. Well, they decide to play an eight-game conference schedule. They're going to table it for a couple of years, or they're going to table it for a couple of months and revisit this topic. And I would imagine eventually it is going to go to nine. And what's going to get it to nine is the fact that that the SEC is going to be able to squeeze more money out of ESPN. Right now, they can't squeeze more money out of ESPN because Disney's hurting. They're hurting so much that they fire everyone and then turn around and pay Pat McAfee $85 million. So eventually ESPN's going to come around and they're going to pay the SEC the money that they want because there isn't a sports property in college you want right now more than SEC football. So when that happens, OU will play nine conference games. They'll have three set opponents every year and then they'll you know, rotate six. But as of now, they're just playing eight. And give it up to the uh, folks in at Sports Illustrated, Fan Nation, All Hogs, for laying out not just what the Arkansas schedule could look like from 2024 to 2028, but the OU and Texas football schedules could look like during that time period as well. And for OU, next, uh, 2024, not next year, not this coming year, but 2024, here's a possible, and I can't, I can't say that enough, possible schedule for the Sooners in 2024. And three and two of these opponents are already locked in. OU will play Temple and Tulane. So on August 31st, OU starts with Temple. September 7th, Tulane comes to town. Then September 14th, to get a smack in the face. One of the rudest welcomings to a conference you could ever possibly have, and that is going down to Baton Rouge to play LSU on, you know, what would be a drunken Saturday night in BR. A lot of fun, but OU hadn't had a whole lot of luck the last time, last couple of times that they played LSU. And if LSU is anything like they they've been the last few years, you know that that's going to be a tough matchup. Still, well worth your time if that's the game to make the trip down south if you've never been there, because there's no place that parties like Baton Rouge. I'm telling you, you want to go if for no other reason the party. Plus, the game will be great as well. Uh, September 21st, to be determined. And one of those teams that OU could possibly fill that gap with, according to Barry Trammell, is Army. Because Army only has 10 opponents for the 2024 year. The thing with Army, though, is they're not playing the iconic schools the way that they did over the last few years. And I don't think that's a bad thing for Army. I understand Army coming to any, anybody's home stadium is going to be a draw, 
But at the same time, you've got to remember that other team has, well, in Army's case, it's not so much a conference to win because they're an independent, but that team has games to win in order to go to a bowl game, or that team has games to, to win in order to get to a conference, and you don't want to be beat to hell so bad playing teams like Oklahoma that you can't accomplish the goal that you set out. Still, OU's game against the Black Knights canceled for the 2020 season because of COVID. Maybe Army's, you know, maybe they'd be more than willing to stoke up the fires and say, yeah, come on out to West Point. We'll make, we'll make up for that game. We'll, we'll give you the game that you want and it certainly helps us to have a big-time opponent here. We can sell it out. It's a good game to travel to. So maybe it's Army. Okay, maybe it's some it's somebody like Army. Then OU would be idle on September 28th. October 5th, you guessed it, Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Followed by a trip to Missouri and then a trip to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so that's three straight games away from home. Your first year in the SEC. Again, if this is the way that the schedule looks out or a schedule works out. You'd come back home after those three to play Texas A&M, and God only knows what the Aggies are going to be like because they've got all the talent in the world, but Jimbo Fisher just hasn't been successful. So they could possibly have a new coach. Uh, did I hear Bobby Petrino? Anyone, anyone. Followed by a, an off date, then at Ole Miss down in Oxford, then you finish up the SEC schedule with Arkansas and Kentucky in November, the 16th and 23rd, and then the 29th, you've got an open date, which you will, which you will need to fill. And what kind of sucks about the way that schedule's laid out is that Thanksgiving weekend, you would have to play a non-con. And by that time, look, look for, for the last game of the season, because everybody is in the thick of their conference races, you're probably not going to get a Power 5 team. In fact, I, I don't know what Power 5 team you could get. I, I Theoretically, I guess, if you wanted to go to the go the Bedlam route and play that game on Thanksgiving, Oklahoma State, I'm 100% certain w would agree to that. Even though Mike Gundy wouldn't like it, you know that Chad Weiberg would love to have OU regularly on the schedule and would be very uh, amenable to doing that because, hey, OU's going to bring money in, into Oklahoma State. Still, I think OU's been pretty staunch that they don't want to play OSU. So maybe, just maybe, when the schedule's getting made out, Joe Castiglione politics a little bit and gets a Southeastern Conference opponent to play in that last game of the year. Now, the good news, the good news is if it laid out like that, is that most likely that would be a home game. So whether you're playing New Mexico State or somebody else, that's, you know, that's a home game. You're you're making you're making money off that and if you're good enough to get to the SEC Championship, it's a nice tune-up and more of a scrimmage to get you ready for that game against Alabama or who or whoever you will be playing in the next week. The following year in 2025, uh, it starts off August 30th against Illinois State. Michigan does come to Norman on September 6th, uh, followed by a date at Temple in Philadelphia. You'd be back home. This time you're hosting LSU. Off again on the 27th, October 4th, down in Dallas to play Texas. Uh, Missouri, Alabama, back-to-back -back at home, followed by going down to College Station on October 25th. And then it would be Ole Miss, Idle, Kentucky, Arkansas, back-to-back -back on the road, and then you've got 
another open date, so you're going to have to go out and find some opponents because, again, eight conference games as opposed to nine conference games. And if you'd like to see the 2026-2027 schedules, again, go to all hogs. They've even got Arkansas and Texas is laid out. The commonality in that OU-Texas schedule is both of them have open dates right now According to this, and again, this is just a mock, okay? None of this is official. It's just a mock to kind of give you an idea of what an SEC schedule is going to look like and just how rough it can be. But OU and Texas both have open dates on that Thanksgiving week. And let me speak blasphemy for a while, okay? Which is, which by the way, I don't normally shy away from because I'm the guy that's that's ready for OU to Texas to, to to move out of the Cotton Bowl because the stadium's so bad. Um, and, and and I know it's not looking. And if you don't want, if you don't want it, if you, if you you know you've got the tradition of of the state fair, what whatever, and you want it to stay there, that that's great. But think about OU and Texas being played on Thanksgiving weekend, and how that would add a new dimension to this rivalry because that game could decide who goes to the SEC championship. And what better way to to have two rivals? that hate each other just as much as Alabama-Auburn, what what better way to end the season for the SEC than to have the Iron Bowl and the OU-Texas game on the same weekend? Now, you play it in November. You're not going to have the state fair, so it loses some uniqueness, and it does become two iconic teams playing in an old stadium. You can always talk about possibly moving the game to Jerry World, and I think if you did that, you'd want to do it on a Saturday. Or actually, maybe you want to do it on a Friday. You play OU Texas on a Friday, so then you've got Auburn-Alabama to play on Saturday, or one or the other. You know, Maybe you give Auburn-Alabama, since they're the heritage schools, you give them the, uh, the, the choice. Play on Friday or play on Saturday. Pick one or the other, and whatever day you don't play on, OU Texas is going to be our featured game. I love that idea. Now, you would have to get used to used to going to OU Texas without the state fair, possibly not playing in the Cotton Bowl, although you still could play in the Cotton Bowl. You think that time of year, Jerry World would be better just because it's going to be a little bit warmer, but it does mess with tradition a little bit. And it's just the idea of playing somebody like, oh, I don't know, a UMass. And I'm just, I'm picking independent schools out, Connecticut, whoever. Independent schools who are always looking to fill their schedule, playing somebody like that on Thanksgiving weekend leaves a lot to be desired, especially when you're trying to avoid Bedlam because Oklahoma State would be a perfect opponent there because it would go right along with um, South Carolina Clemson, which play in that last week of the year, or Georgia, Georgia Tech. And I think that's the reason why you can't have Kentucky that I think that's the reason why you can't have Kentucky in that last week's because they're off playing Louisville. I mean, either way, uh, you know, something that we've talked about quite a bit here is if you get stuck again, this first year, these first two years, you would be playing LSU and Alabama in the same season. How much do you really want to bite off in in the non-con? And, and that's worth considering. Now, on twenty in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six. Um, you're playing Michigan. Okay, so you've already got those games scheduled. Don't back out of them now. Just go ahead and play those games. Michigan at home and then Michigan up in Ann Arbor in 2026. 
But I'm not sure past that, if, if you're playing like in 2026 and 2027, the way this is mocked up, you'd be playing Florida, Auburn, and Georgia in the same year. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. You're already playing iconic schools in your conference. Do you really need to play them in non-con, especially when you're at the stage OU is working your way back? Joe Castiglione, Brent Venables, probably him hawing that right now. The answer to that is probably no, that you've got enough. And, and you remember, you schedule to win your conference. You, you don't schedule necessarily for the big moment in September. You don't schedule because talk show hosts tell you to go one way or another. You schedule to win your conference. Whatever gives you the best chance to win your conference, that's what you schedule to. Or I guess in this play, in, in, in this day and age, it's scheduled to what helps you get into the playoffs. And certainly you can get into the playoffs without being in the SEC championship game or winning the SEC championship. And if strength of schedule really is a big factor, then maybe, yeah, you do go out and schedule some more iconic type teams. But yeah, you know, looking at this, it's interesting. Um, It's also tough. I love, I love finishing out with AM, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Arkansas, because I would think that OU is going to be better than every one of those teams every single year. Um, and I like the idea that that LSU and Alabama are spread out. You've got a Missouri thrown in there, and then obviously Texas is Texas, and you just kind of take that and, and go right along with it. But that's a preview. That That's what it could possibly look like. And for you, what matters the most to you as the fan is, one, Oklahoma's in a new conference. Two, how are you going to play in those trips? And what trips should you be looking to go to here in the next few years? Well, the ones I would think you would mark off that would be right at the top of your schedule, um, obviously LSU. I would think Tuscaloosa and Auburn would be up there. Uh, Ole Miss, if for nothing more than the tailgating. Um, Starkville, not really sure what Starkville has to offer, but uh, Mississippi State isn't on the schedule any of these four years. Uh, Georgia certainly gets you excited. Florida, Gainesville. Vanderbilt, okay, I'm going to make the case real quick for you to go to Vanderbilt because it's Nashville. Nashville doesn't suck. And OU's probably going to win that game. So you go to Nashville, have a good time. You watch OU win football. Eat some good food. Check some, check out some good music. Watch OU win a football game. That is a full weekend. That is a great weekend. So don't knock the Vanderbilt trip. In fact, you, the Vanderbilt trip, very underrated. If for no other reason than the city that that you're playing in. But there's so much to iron out here over the next year. And what I kind of wonder is how many of us, because I'm already here, have short timers disease and are ready to just get this year done and over with so Oklahoma can move on to the Southeastern Conference. Let's finish things up by making the case for Josh Heupel. I'm sure you've seen by now Rocky Kalmus, Dewey Selman, and Josh Heupel are all on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. And it's very doubtful that all three of them will get in. In fact, if I had to bet which one was going to get in, it's probably Dewey Selman, because it's hard to imagine a, a person with the last name of Selman not being in the College Football Hall of Fame. In fact, when I saw the ballot, it was like, wow, what, Dewey Selman's not in? Uh, Jerome Brown from Miami, Mike Vick, are, are just a couple more of the people who were on this ballot. That's why it's going to be very hard for Josh Heupel to get in this year, although he's deserving. And I'm going to make the case for, for people to vote for him this year. Because not only did the guy throw for 7,000 yards at OU, not only 
uh, did Josh Heupel, during his time at OU, throw 50 touchdown passes to 30 picks? And not only did he help lead OU to a national championship and has one of the most iconic plays in OU history, that 34-yard touchdown pass he threw to Curtis Fagan in the Nebraska game with OU trailing at that time 14-7 with just over 10 minutes left to go in the second quarter. That tied it up, and OU goes on to win 31-14. to The main reason Josh Heupel deserves to be in the College Football Hall of Fame is because you're looking for impact that a player had on a particular program and how it can be measured. And Josh Heupel certainly could be measured. It's not to say other quarterbacks couldn't have come in and done well under Mike Leach the, the first year and Mark Mangino the second, but because of Josh Heupel, because of his play, because he finished second in the Heisman and finished ahead of guys named LaDainian Tomlinson, Mike Vick, and Drew Brees, uh, all pretty impressive, um, the thing with Josh Heupel is, is his presence, his success led to future success at OU. It led to 14 conference championships. It led to three other appearances in the national championship game. He was part of the start of all that. And normally you cannot do that without a really good, two great quarterback, especially now in college football. Impact, it can be argued that he is the most important player in OU football history and certainly the most important player in the post-John Blake, Gary Gibbs, Howard Schnellenberger era. That's huge, okay? And say what you want to him. Say what you want about him as, a, as an offensive coordinator. He's proving he could coach. And if somebody's all-around impact deserves to be measured, it is Josh Heupel's. And I have no problem if somebody were to take his coaching days into consideration when giving him a vote. Great job at UCF, doing an excellent job now at Tennessee, restoring that program. But Josh Heupel certainly deserves to be in. Will he get in this time? I don't think so. But you know what I love being more than anything sometimes? And that is wrong. Um, I've been married for 26 years now. My wife will tell you I'm wrong often. I'd like to be wrong one more time and think that Josh Heupel can get in. We're going we're gonna to take a week off. I'm going to go on vacation. You have fun. Check out some of the older episodes. Please give us five stars. Write a review. Send both of those. Send, send the screenshot of you giving us five stars and writing a re review to our good friend Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com and get yourself a koozie. Until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.